grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. For our third midweek service, we consider the hymn that we just sang, hymn 345, Hark a Thrilling Voice is Sounding, which is a, a Latin hymn, which was written somewhere between the 5th and the 10th century. So again, as we consider the age of this hymn, it's comforting to know that Christians have been singing this very same hymn for over a thousand years. Men and women across the years have found comfort and peace in its singing during good times, during bad times, and everything in between. Think about it, before the Crusades, before the Magna Carta, before the Hundred Years' War, before the Thirty-Year War, before the Black Plague, World War I and World War II, Christians have found comfort and peace in this hymn. In times of persecution and in peaceful times, Christians have sung this very hymn. Now, as we consider the words of our, our hymn writer this evening, the scriptures are filled with references to light and darkness. As it refers to that, it refers both to the, the physical sense and in the metaphorical sense. From Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God said, let there be lights, and there was light. Into the darkness of the universe, God spoke light into being. Elsewhere we read in Isaiah chapter 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. And again, later on in that same chapter of Isaiah, The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. But the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended. Indeed, as the scripture says, darkness has covered the earth, and a thick darkness the peoples. Now, as a preacher's task, it's not very difficult to convince you of this fact of the darkness that exists in the world. I'm not talking about the fact that it gets dark at five o'clock. What I'm talking about is as we look at the world around us, it's easy to see the darkness. Looking outside of ourselves, it's easy to point the finger and see the lack of morality in the world, the lack of kindness, the lack of faith, the lack of love. It's easy to point our finger at the world around us but it's not entirely helpful. Sure, we could point to crime statistics. We could look at the state of the church in the world. We could look at the state of politics. Again, it's not very difficult to convince you that there's evil in the world and it's covered in darkness. 
However, that is not entirely helpful to us this evening. It's when we look inside of ourselves that we truly see the darkness mentioned in the scriptures. For sin loves the darkness. It never wants to see the light of day. It's where our deepest sinful thoughts, our deepest sinful desires dwell securely in the dark. We convince ourselves that, well, they're normal and natural to think these things, to act these ways, to to have these sorts of feelings. It's totally normal and totally natural. We find any excuse to keep them in the dark. We are satisfied that we have not acted upon those deepest thoughts and deepest desires. But the scriptures remind us that the very fact that we entertain those ideas means that the sin and darkness is alive and well within us. We like to keep it dark. It's uncomfortable and it's humiliating to turn the microscope inward and shine the light into the dark places of our hearts. Like when we think our kitchen is clean, but as soon as we turn on the lights, we find all the dirt and the grime when we examine in the corners and the dark places. We sing this evening, filled with sorrow for sin, we hasten to Christ for forgiveness. You see, our hymn writer reminds us that Christ shines into the darkness of a world of peace, love, and the forgiveness of sins. We read in Luke chapter 1, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to the people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. In this beautiful song of Simeon, we see a picture of Christ and his forgiveness. While we sit in darkness and the shadow of death, Christ brings the light of salvation He brings peace to our troubled souls. We sing, See the Lamb so long expected comes with pardon down from heaven. Let us haste with tears of sorrow, one and all to be forgiven. So when next He comes in glory and the world is wrapped in fear, He will shield us with His mercy and with words of love draw near. It is indeed the great miracle of Christmas, that Christ comes into the darkness and washes us clean from our sins. He doesn't whitewash them. He doesn't just turn a blind eye to sin and pretend that it doesn't exist. He doesn't just take, away, take us the way we are and call us good. No, the lamb takes your dirt. He takes your filth. He takes them upon himself and pays the penalty in your place. The scripture describes Jesus coming as a terrifying scene for those outside of the faith 
as they're confronted with sin. But for us, for those in the faith, it is a thrilling, joyous return for those shielded by his mercy and his love as the hymn writer sings. It is no surprise that this is our hymn of the day for Gaudete Sunday, the Sunday of hope, the Sunday of rejoicing in the middle of a penitential season of Advent. For Christ is the beacon in the void. He is the light in the darkness. For Advent is a curious season. We look forward to the birth of our Savior, an event long past, and at the same time we look forward to his second coming. Traditionally, Advent is a penitential season. It's traditionally that color purple to reflect that penitential nature. But in recent years, the church has adopted the practice of using blue to reflect the hopeful nature of the season. And the true nature of the season is a little bit of both. It's penitential and hopeful at the same time. We reflect on the fact that we are in no way deserving of the precious gift of the incarnation of Christ. It is a fact that it's just too hard for us to comprehend. And at the same time, we're filled with hope because he did come. While we are still in darkness, he shines the light of salvation upon us. He humbled himself to be born of a virgin when we were still in our sin. Hark, a thrilling voice is sounding. Christ is near, we hear it say. Cast away the works of darkness, all you children of the day. Startled at this solemn warning, let the earthbound soul arise. Christ, its sun, all sloth dispelling, shine upon our morning skies. See the Lamb so long expected comes with pardon down from heaven. Let us haste with tears of sorrow, one and all to be forgiven. So when next he comes in glory and the world is wrapped in fear, he will shield us with his mercy and with words of love draw near. Honor, glory, might, dominion to the Father and the Son with the ever-living ever Spirit while eternal ages run. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.